Welcome to episode 18 of the Anti-Reactive Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Hoppy, parent educator and counselor, mom of two, and lover of all things related to parenting. If you are listening to this podcast at the time of release, then you know we are on the back end of the busy holiday season. It's a new year and a time of reflecting on and looking forward to what's to come in the year ahead. Our show took a hiatus during the holidays so we could focus on our families, and I must say, this was one of my most favorite Christmas seasons yet. We held on tight to the traditions that our whole family all values the most. For us, that includes making cookies, watching favorite movies, and going to our favorite holiday events that go on in our community, playing games, and spending time out in nature, all while being together. While we were also being mindful of not overscheduling ourselves and our time off so we could all experience some true rest and sit in the joy of our time together. Best of all, my kids demonstrated so much gratitude. The gift experience this year was not over the top by any means, but they were so happy for what they did receive, and they played more of a role in buying and picking out gifts for others, which was a ton of fun for them too. They enjoyed our outings and our family time together, and it all made my mama heart so full, and I couldn't be happier as we head into the new year. Now, I realize not everyone's holiday season may have looked as joyful or lived up to the same expectations. I will admit, we are in a sweet spot in our parenting journey in our house where our kids are old enough to be independent, but still young enough to want to spend their time with us. And we have definitely had our share of less than stellar holiday moments over the years. Sickness, whining, complaining, sickness, meltdowns, asking for more, sickness. But with consistent anti-reactive parenting and thinking long-term when it comes to parenting strategies, my husband and I often find ourselves enjoying the fruits of our labor and living in awe and gratitude for the type of people our kids are growing into. And then reminding ourselves that it will continue to take consistent, intentional, anti-reactive parenting on a daily basis to continue things moving in the direction they are currently going in. And doubling down on these efforts on the bad days and when it feels like we're failing or when we honestly screw up bad it's never going to be perfect, but the goal is to strive for growth, never perfection. So with all of that in mind, I want to talk with you all about getting yourself set up for success as we start a new year. I'm not big on once a year resolutions, but rather regular self-evaluation, reflection, and goal setting to become a better version of yourself, specifically as a parent, than you were before. Again, the overarching goal is growth, never perfection, not the illusion of perfection through Pinterest perfect appearances, but genuinely becoming better than you were before in big ways, little ways, or anywhere in between. So to set yourself up for success today, we're not going to be talking about your kids, but we're going to be talking about you. That's right, just you. I'm sure you've all heard the analogy of the oxygen mask when it comes to parenting, but in case you haven't, I'll fill you in. When you're flying on an airplane and the flight attendants are giving their safety spiel before takeoff, they explain that if the cabin loses pressure, oxygen masks will drop down from above you and you are to place the mask on your face and secure it with the little elastic strings. Then they tell you to secure your own oxygen mask before assisting anyone around you. Not only that, 
flight attendants will then seek out anyone flying with a child and personally tell the passenger to secure their own mask before helping their child. Supporters of parents will often tell parents that the oxygen mask illustration is important to remember during parenthood. Proponents of the series say you can't do a good job as a parent if you're not taking care of yourself first. They say make sure your needs are met so you can then effectively care for your child. And I can get behind this theory to a point. They're absolutely right. You cannot take care of your child if you are passed out or incapacitated or don't have your basic needs met. So don't get to that point. Solid argument. But I have to go back and think about what happens when the flight attendants are explaining these emergency procedures. They go to each parent individually and tell them they specifically need to remember to place their mask first before their child's. Why is that? Why do they have to tell them that these procedures work best if done in that order? Well, it's because parents have instincts. Good parents are not going to leave their child helpless or in danger. It's because good parents consider what's best for their child before considering what's best, and I'm using this term best very loosely, what's best for themselves as individuals. Good parents know that they have an obligation to the child they brought into the world to give that child their best, which means they often have to put themselves last. And I don't mean this in a martyring kind of way. I mean this to simply say that every parent wants their child to live a life better than the one they had. You cannot do better for your child if you put them second to you. And just to be clear, I'm talking about the important things in life here. I'm not talking about putting your child on a throne and making your world revolve around them completely. I'm just talking about basic decency here. So what does all this have to do with self-care and self-love, which is the topic of our episode today? The point is, there is a line between self-care and self-love. Not a fine line, but more of a stripe of gray. And as we head into a new year, it's important to think about the meanings and more importantly, the values behind self-care and self-love and find a place within that gray where we can be healthy and thrive without detriment to any member of the family. A place where every member of the family is seen and valued and able to able to fulfill their roles within the family unit, within the resources available to the family. So let's talk about those words, self-care and self-love. These terms are all the rage within our society, and they are especially directed towards females as the nurturing types who may find themselves more focused on taking care of their loved ones and that they forget to include themselves in these care routines. That's the starting point of the genesis of these terms. We want to make sure all caregivers are pouring from a full cup or at least a cup with a decent amount of volume in it so they can give their best to those they love the most. Yes, this is important. And this is where self-care comes in. It's remembering to make sure you get a full meal when you're nursing, when you're nursing a newborn around the clock. It's asking your husband to bring you a full glass of water whenever he sees you settling in for a feed with your nursling. It's asking a friend to help so you can get a nap after you were up all night with a baby. It's accepting the meal train when you or someone you love is in the hospital. It's doing a childcare swap with your friends so you can take turns having date nights. It's finding a way to recharge 
when you know you're emotionally fatigued or physically exhausted or just on the brink. It's important to regularly check in with ourselves and the other adults within our circles that truly care about us, whether that's your spouse, your parent, or your best friend, and vice versa, and see how we're all doing on this front. Sometimes we don't recognize when we're depleted because we're so busy staying in survival mode and looking to what's next, we don't realize our tank has run low. And it's hard to be effective as a parent when you're running on fumes. Even more so, it's hard to be an anti-reactive parent and make decisions with intentionality if you're just trying to get by. So looking at this from the anti-reactive perspective, ideally, we're adequately taking care of ourselves as we go along so we don't get to this point of depletion. Now, that's just an ideal, not reality, but I do encourage you to team up with an accountability partner so they can check on you and you can check on them and see if everyone's needs are being met so we don't reach that point of depletion where we can proactively get ourselves recharged. Having built-in moments to recharge throughout your week are fantastic too. I had shared in an earlier podcast that when I was a full-time stay-at-home mom and my kids were very young, my husband took over all parental responsibilities one night a week so I could leave the house guilt-free and do whatever my little heart desired and then come back home re-centered and re-energized. Knowing that evening of self-care was coming did a lot to help me through the hardest moments during the week. And so the effect of that time was multiplied. So in case you've been neglecting your own needs, please take this as your sign to get back on track. Check in with yourself and identify what needs are being met and which ones are not. And work with someone who cares about you to figure out a way to restore those areas of you. Do it not only for yourself, but for the people who depend on you and benefit from having you at your best. Now, remember though, there is that space of gray that lives between self-care and self-love. Self-care meaning tending to your needs, and I am stressing the word needs here, needs. All of that lies on one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum lies the concept of self-love. Now, there are many people and organizations out there who talk about self-love, and on the surface, it sounds a lot like self-care. No issues to be had there with the ideas of being kind to yourself, forgiving yourself, establishing boundaries, eating healthy foods, getting good sleep, etc. All great things. But the idea of self-love often goes beyond this. And I'm going to say what others aren't saying out loud when preaching self-love. And that is the concept of self-love contains underlying values that say, me and my needs are more important than everyone else's. My feelings should always be validated, regardless of the impact they are having on those around me. Self-love says, I should have this thing I desire because I deserve it. This can be a bit confusing, so I want to make sure I'm being clear here. The underlying value of self-love is simply self. It's me. It's me first. It's I deserve to be happy, so I'll do whatever I want to get happiness. Which, honestly, this can all sound pretty good when you're in the throes of parenthood and feel like you're not appreciated or valued. When you're feeling depleted, you're tired, you're constantly worried about your little ones, 
and you're not sure anyone is worried about you or checking in on you, and whispers of put yourself first will sound pretty good. And this is where we begin to enter that gray space between self-care and self-love. Yes, sometimes we need to ensure our own needs, and again, I'm emphasizing the word needs, are being met. And that may even mean we have to advocate for ourselves or ask others to advocate on our behalf to get us back to baseline. But the concept of self-love takes it further than that. It tells us to keep going. It tells us no one else is looking out for you, so you need to look out for yourself. Stop sacrificing your own needs because no one else is sacrificing for you, so you may as well look out for number one. But this is in direct contradiction to parenthood. Parenthood is defined by sacrifice. Yes, people have children because it brings about some wonderful benefits. I mean, love is multiplied, joy beyond joy brought about in the pride we have for our children, the company they bring as members of the family, continuation of the family name and legacy, and hopefully someone who will look out for you in your later years. Children are wonderful, and they are important members of the family and of greater society. That's not up for debate. But raising them requires sacrifice. They require a lot of money, time, they steal your sleep, they alter your idea of leisure. I mean, you're a parent already. I don't have to explain this to you. Children require sacrifice. And as parents, we are hardwired to sacrifice and do it willingly. It's why the flight attendant is required to look you in the eye and explain to you individually that the smart thing to do is to put on your oxygen mask first before assisting your child with theirs. They don't say it because you deserve it more than your child does. They say it because it's the best way to ensure you reach the same end goal as the parent who would instinctually put the mask on their child first. The end goal of providing for your child and keeping them alive. The idea of self-love in the extreme end of the spectrum is dangerous to health and well-being of a family. Healthy families are built upon cooperation and sacrifice and not putting any single person's needs above anyone else's as long as the family is in homeostasis. And when the family is out of homeostasis, meaning someone is sick, someone is hurt, someone is in stress, someone needs to go to dance lessons, it doesn't matter what it is. The family rallies around that individual and does prioritize them and put their needs first. Not because they demand it or they deserve it more than somebody, but because it's done out of love and care for each other. The values and meta-messages behind self-love are just extremely isolating. These meta-messages tell you you're alone and no one cares about you. And this is not what goes on in a healthy family. The lies of self-love can sound pretty good when you're in the trenches of parenthood and you do feel like you're alone. But what that calls for is self-care, not self-absorption. Because listen, here's where the real dangers of self-love comes in. And I've seen it play out time and time again in a cyclical fashion across generations. It's a swinging pendulum from one generation to the next. It starts with a parent caught up in the values of self-love. These are also what we may call narcissists. The parents who put themselves before the needs of their own children. They downplay their children's medical needs. They consistently serve themselves before their children. They will cater to their own emotional desires to the detriment of their children's. And I mean, I can go on and on with examples. 
If you've ever known a narcissist or even a semi-narcissist, you know just how toxic that dynamic can be to the next generation. And here's how I frequently see that play out in the next generation. That next generation does not develop with much self-worth. This does not mean that second generation is destined to a life of, so, of low self-esteem. That sometimes is the case and the toxic family cycles continue. But I've also seen these second generation children overcome their upbringings and grow into amazing, rugged individuals. So amazing, in fact, they dedicate themselves to giving their children, now this is the third generation I'm talking about, the exact opposite of everything they had growing up. Unconditional love, security, attention, great, great things. However, this can be carried too far and lead to overindulgence. The second generation parent is giving their third generation child everything they didn't have. But then even more than just needs, it turns into giving them all of their wants, which yields a sense of entitlement. Because the third generation child often has no concept whatsoever of the pain and damage their second generation parent is shielding them from, because that second generation becomes so darn good and they become intentional parents and they protect their child from the family toxicity. So these third generation kids, they don't understand, much less appreciate the sacrifices their parent is making. And the second generation parent, again, finds themselves in a place where they are in the lowest position in the family, putting everyone else's needs first because that's what they know how to do well. And they end up neglecting their own self-care or falling for the lies of self-love that they must fight to put themselves first at all costs. The third generation then sees these overcompensations and then what are they left with? Entitlement and prioritization of self above all else starting the cycle all over again, or pendulum swings the other way and they're left with just low self-worth. Now, if these generational cycles sound familiar to you, do not despair. I'm only speaking in terms of trends, and I have seen amazing intentional parents work through anti-reactive strategies of identifying their values and using those guiding principles to make parenting decisions and think in terms of the big picture and that they are raising future adults, and they carefully monitor the meta-messages they are sending their children to ensure they are modeling and developing healthy relationships. They are mindful of the traps set by the idea of self-love, but also learn how to set healthy boundaries. It takes a great deal of hard work. It takes intentionality and anti-reactive parenting to break these cycles. And for these individuals, where they live in the gray along the self-care to self-love spectrum, maybe further towards self-love, but without crossing the line to self-absorption. For someone who hasn't had to deal with toxic family members or boundary issues, you're likely to live closer to the self-care side. Again, there is a space of gray, and no two people occupy the same exact space due to individual family factors. The point is, the healthy space is rooted in love shared by all members of the family unit. As always, the goal of anti-reactive parenting is not guilt, it's not perfection, it's growth. And in case you're feeling guilty about your self-care habits or lack thereof, please remember, 
you have to live within your resources. A parent cannot prioritize a full night's sleep if they're working double shifts to cover rent. You can't eat full nutritious meals if your kids don't have enough to eat. Self-care can only go as far as your needs are covered and you have resources left over. And if you're doing all you can to survive, there is no shame in that. And if that is your current situation, I highly encourage you to find community to lean on, as there is no shame in that either. As my own family was bouncing around from state to state every two years due to my husband's active duty military service, I was always on the hunt for community wherever we arrived because I knew I could not do this parenting thing all on my own while my husband was on deployments. The first place I'd always look, as always, was at church. And there's a built-in community already there ready to love and serve if you find the right place. And I've also found community in local mom groups in Facebook groups of moms all over the country. I've found it in my neighborhood or with coworkers. Community is there to be had. So if you're unable to do much in terms of self-care, please find a place to lurk and eventually put yourself out there and find some friends to lean on. So as we move into the year ahead, I encourage you to think about how you can set yourself up for success to be the best anti-reactive parent you can be how you can soak in the upcoming joys that lie ahead of this year, and how you can tend to your needs and your family's needs during those lows that are bound to happen. Get those oxygen masks set and make plans to thrive. All right. As always, thank you for listening in. If you find this podcast enjoyable and think others would benefit from it too, I humbly ask that you please leave a five-star review to impress the algorithms and help this podcast reach others. And then we can all grow together. Don't forget to add our podcast um, and follow it or add it to your library so you don't miss an episode. Also, as a reminder for all of you fathers out there, check out the Anti-Reactive Parenting Companion podcast to Life Fatherhood. Life stands for Lead Your Family with Excellence. So that's L-Y-F-E. And it's a short form podcast um, for fathers and how to deal with challenges raising your kids and increase your excellence as a father who leads intentionally. You can find Life Fatherhood on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. Okay, until next time, parent intentionally, plan for what's to come, and be anti-reactive. Mm-hmm.